0: All right, so we are in, we're starting a new series today on Sundays. So Sundays we're calling it War Stories, and then on Wednesdays we're kind of equipping you for the battle um, in a series called Before You Go. Um, We're going to be looking at war stories from the Old Testament, so I am super excited. Um, There are some sermons where you can sit there and you can kind of be like this. And you can just kind of wait until Joel says something interesting that stands out to you. Um, I'm kind of afraid that we're, that we're kind of creating a generation of, of kind of people that do this when it comes to their faith. Someone else give me what I need to hear. Someone else feed me. Someone else tell me what I need to know. Instead of like us actually going to scripture... Um, so if you feel like, you know what, sometimes I'm not super engaged here. I want to invite you to actually engage with the text. It'll be much more interactive on these Sundays. Um, so as, as we go through and read this text together, um, so have it, have it out. Have a Bible out. Uh, or have your phone out. Um, we'll tell you where we are in a second. But the, the reason why I'm kind of pumped about this series is because I feel like we're a lot of tomatoes. Um, if, if we were to describe ourselves as, is that a fruit or vegetable? We're not even sure. It's a vegetable, it's a fruit, it's a fruit, it's a fruit it's a for vegetable. All right, so um, I feel like a lot of us, we're kind of like, when it comes to our faith, we're kind of like a tomato. Um, I, my, my grandparents used to have tomatoes in their backyard all the time, and I'd always be excited, because I like tomatoes, and I'd go out there, and by the time I get out to them, what, what would it mostly have happened to half of them? If you don't pick them... Uh, soon enough, like they're all on the ground, and they're smooshy, and they're gross, and like the birds have come, and they've destroyed them, and they've been eaten, and they're gross, and you can't have anything, and then you eat one, there's like a worm inside of it, it's super gross. Um, a lot of us, when it comes to our faith, we are fragile in our faith, and you might not think this right now, because you're a bunch, you're with a bunch of other tomatoes, and you're in Heisel group, and you have all your Christian friends, and you've got a little clean tomato faith, um, but then you go to college, and anybody says anything, well, what about this question? And you've never considered it, and your, your faith, that's the tomato exploding. Your faith explodes and gets smooshed. Or you, you kind of all believe in Jesus now, and you follow Jesus now, because everybody else is kind of doing it, but then if everybody else is doing something else, you're like, okay, and then you go over here, and then your faith goes, right? Um, a lot of us, when it comes to our faith, we're like a little squishy, fragile tomato, but for most Christians throughout most history, their faith isn't a tomato. Their faith is, their faith is like a solid rock because it has been through war. Their faith has been forged in the battles of war. And even if you look at places like Sri Lanka, which we, we've been praying for, for them. If you, if you didn't know, there was this crazy um, attack on um, some hotels and then some Roman Catholic churches. So our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted in Sri Lanka. Um, if you go there, to be, you can't just be a tomato faith. In Sri Lanka, like like it's one of the, uh, it's one of the top hundred places that are most persecuted. And so, if you talk to those Christians, man, their faith is solid because they can't be flaky. They're solid because it costs something to follow Jesus. And so that's why I'm I'm excited because we're going to be reading about some people where it costs them something, where their faith couldn't just be um, something that couldn't be defended. Um, and so we're going to be learning from them. And so I want us to be engaging in that. And so we're going to be in 1 Samuel. I have this list of, here's uh, books of the Bible. So you can see they're in order right there. And then 1 Samuel, we're in chapters 4 and 5 today. So you can open up to, to there. This is a crazy story that we're about to read. Um, and I'm excited for it. So so flip over. 1 um, Samuel, anyone know who Samuel is? Prophet, okay. So basically what had happened, uh, after Israel was in slavery, um, God had made this covenant out Mount Sinai. He had given them the Ten Commandments. Um, they had made their way to the Promised Land. Um, and there in the Promised Land, Israel was supposed to be faithful and was supposed to um, just, be, just be faithful to God, follow his commandments. Um, but they didn't. And there was all these um, judges, uh, if you have read. There's a ton of judges, like 12 or more. Um, judges, how many are there? 12. Okay, 12 or more. We're going go with that. I, I just know 12 on the top of my head, Um, and so just this whole part of Israel's story is how they failed, Um, and so finally you get this guy named Samuel, he's a cool prophet, um, and he shows up, and he's the answer that Israel needs to all the craziness that they've been going through, so we're in 1 Samuel, Um, let's begin chapter 4, verse 1, and now the word of Samuel came to all Israel, now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines, all right, the Philistines, If you've heard that word, you know that the Philistines are who? The bad bad guys. guys. Okay, cool. You can put them up on a map. Um, So the Philistines, you can see they're kind of um, over here to the west of Israel. Um, They actually kind of intrude into, these are some of the different tribes of Israel, into into Dan and all that. The Philistines basically, um, they occupied a a bunch of that coast. But if you know where modern day Gaza is, um, that's part of where they are. So if you've heard of what's going on there, you kind of know the location of what's going on. So um, Philistines—they're uh, like also known in the Old Testament as the Sea People because they like came out of the—not <laughs> came out of the sea—they came from like the Grecian islands, uh, the Akkadian islands or something. Uh, anyways, um, so the Philistines—they're—they're they're, they're there. Uh, so Israel is about to fight the Philistines. All right, let's keep going. Um, they encamped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at um, Epech. The Philistines drew up in line against Israel. And when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men. 4,000 men. So that's a huge, devastating loss. There's some like debate about how many numbers this actually was and what the word thousand means. It's just a lot. You can just know it's a lot. Um, men on the battlefield. And when the people came to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Why has the Lord defeated us before the Philistines? They ask a good question. Where was God? God, why did you allow us to get wrecked, right? That's a pretty good question, right? Because um, they have just been destroyed. It's like, dude, God, why did you let your name be like just, just totally trampled underfoot? Like, why did you allow that, God? Um, and so they have this really good question. What do you think they should do? What do you think? So they've been defeated by the Philistines. What would be a good thing to do at this point? Pray. That would be a good thing. Maybe they should go talk to Samuel, who's a prophet, who talks to God, and say, hey God, what's going on? Because if you know, if you've read before this in chapter 2, part of what's going on is there is this guy named Eli, who is a judge, and he has two sons. One of them's name is Phineas, which is awesome, and I forgot the other, I forgot the other name, it's hard to pronounce. Ferb? It's not Ferb. Um, I thought you guys actually knew. It's like, wow, they came prepared. Um Anyways, so we'll, we'll get into it. Basically, these were like two wicked sons who were—they um, were taking fat off of the offerings that were that were taking place, the sacrifices, and they were just—they um, were—they're were taking it for themselves. They were actually two, two sons um, were using their power to seduce and sleep with the women who were in charge of the temple. Like crazy stuff is going on, and so God God warns them, hey, you guys need to repent, and they don't repent. They don't pray, so they should have gone and asked Samuel. Hey, Samuel, what's going on? Or they should have repented. They should have prayed. Um, but when we're unsure, angry, afraid, or anxious, we probably usually make the worst decisions. Like for you, imagine the worst decision. This is not a happy thing. Imagine the, like one of the worst decisions you've ever made, or the time where you were a total jerk to somebody, or t- just just think of like, just think of that moment, or you can imagine what that is. Um, and it was probably because why? You were angry, you were anxious. Some of us make really bad decisions because like, we're really infatuated with someone, right? So maybe that's like, oh my gosh, I love you with my whole heart, when really it's like hormones, right? So we have those things and it's, we make bad decisions. And so when those hormones go down, whatever, we're like, oh, okay, that was a bad decision. Um, Israel's about to make one of the worst decisions possible. Um, so we'll pick it up. And they say, let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. When I first read that, I was like, that's a great decision. Bring God into it. That's awesome. Why is that, why is that not good? Why is it, what? So if they lose, the Philistines can take the Ark. Yep. So somehow they think, okay, God wasn't there the first time, but maybe we can force God's hand to be there by taking this ark out. And Israel sees the ark, and you write this down as a magic weapon. Um, this is the ark. The ark is not just a fancy piece of furniture for Israel. Okay, it's not like, oh, I don't know, I lost my, I don't, what's you lose? You lost your keys. That's not a piece of. Sure, that's where I was going. Um, it's not. It's not just oh, I lost. I lost whatever. It matters because, and it's not even just symbolic. It's not a symbolic representation of God's presence. Um, Israel believed that in some special, mysterious way that God was specially present um, in the Ark of the Covenant between the two cherubim. That was like the mercy seat. So this Ark, this is like where God communicated with His people, where He um, gave mercy with for His people, where He, he gave them forgiveness. It was the representation, but also they felt like it was the reality of God's presence. And so it was in the holy of holies. You had to do all these cleanliness rituals in order to get to the ark. And so they're like, "We have a great idea. Let's just take it out of there. Let's bring it into battle, right? Um, we have a hard time like not having a case on our iPhone." And they bring out the ark of the covenant into the in the battle. It's crazy. Um, so <laughs> the people. Um, okay, here the uh, Shiloh. The power of enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh and brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, who was enthroned on the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phineas, there he is, were there with, with the Ark of the Covenant. So not only it's not like, okay, we have to have the you know the people that are just like the most righteous, they're gonna carry the ark. Right? We're not gonna have, you know, we're just like we'll just have Sean and Zach. No, they get like the worst of the worst to carry the ark. Phineas and Hophni, they're gonna carry it. That's a great idea. Um, as soon as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel gave a mighty shout so that the earth resounded. So they're stoked. A bunch of dudes. Have you like a bunch of dudes. You've ever seen when dudes get together and they're just ridiculous? <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. Woo! And it's like a Dairy Queen shake or something. Um, and when the Philistines heard the noise of shouting, they said, what does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And when they learned that the Ark of the Lord had come into camp, the Philistines were afraid. For they said, a God has come into camp. I love how the Philistines, they have incomplete knowledge of of the the Hebrew God. They think he's just like another God because the Philistines actually adopted the Canaanite way of worshiping. And the Canaanites worshiped a ton of different gods, right? They had like the God of like the water, the God of um, the sky, the God of zebras. I don't know. So that's not true. But they they did have a bunch of different gods. And so they think, oh, this is another God. Um, But they also knew, uh, they also knew this. And they said, woe for us, for nothing like this has happened. Woe to us, who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. So they've heard about God. Um, and they've heard about what happened in the wilderness. Or, um, yeah, they heard about what happened. They haven't complete uh, was it in the wilderness? They, they heard about what, what happened in Egypt and how God had sent all the plagues. Um, and, and, and they say, take courage and be men, O Philistines, lest you become slaves to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. Don't be afraid. This is ridiculous. The Philistines saw the ark as a trophy. And they're like, you know what? If we can capture it, then we can take it back and it'll prove um, that that we have superior power. Um, Here's what I want you to see about the Philistines because I'm trying to show you a different thing about every every person we see in the story. The Philistines knew about God. And the Philistines were afraid. Is knowing about God and fearing consequences enough? Is knowing about God and fearing consequences enough? A lot of us, when it comes to our sin and our crud, we know what is right and what we should do. And we are afraid of the consequences if if we don't. We know there's a day... um, day coming where we'll be judged for for those things. And maybe we have a fear of God, but knowing and fearing isn't enough to lead us to obedience. And that's what we see in the Philistines. Because sometimes you know about God and you fear God, and what you say is, well, you know what? All the more I'm going to fight back against him. Um, And so that's what the Philistines do. They see this as a trophy to be won. Verse 10, so keep tracking, you guys are doing good. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated. Listen to this, and they fled every man to his home. So basically, like, they're they're done. We're not not about this, so they all run home. And there was a very great slaughter, for 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel fell. So how many people have died total? 34,000. 34,000 have died. And the ark was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Yay! Um, (laughs) Just kidding. Um, So, okay, keep going here. Um, A man of Benjamin ran from the battle line. This is really cool. If you're a runner in here, they didn't have telephones back then, obviously. So they had the fastest Olympic runners who would run from one king or one judge, and they would run, like, miles across the battle lines, and they would run uh, to share the news of what had happened. So basically, Taylor Bramwell's doing this. Um, a, man of, a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes torn and with dirt on his head. So they, would, they tore their clothes. Um, they actually they would tear their clothes, uh, and women would tear their clothes in the back, uh, and then they would, just as a sign of mourning, and then they would stitch it up again so they wouldn't have to, like, waste clothes again. But anyways, it's a fun fact. Um, they go to Eli. Eli was sitting beside the road w- watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told the news, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the sound of the outcry, he said, What is this uproar? The man hurried and came and told Eli. Now Eli was 98 years old, and in, his eyes were set so that he could not see. And the man said, to "Eli, I am he who ca- has come from the battle, I fled from the battle today." And he said, "How did it go, my son?" So Eli is just wondering like wh- he, he knows something something has happened that it's not good. Verse 17. He who brought the news answered and said, "Israel has fled before the Philistines. And there also has been a great defeat among the people. Your two sons, Hophni and Phineas, are dead. And the ark of God has been captured." This is crazy. As soon as he mentioned the Ark of God, Eli fell over backwards. So Eli doesn't really say anything about his sons. He's not like, oh, poor Phineas and Ferb. He doesn't say that. Right? I mean, he's smart. He knows that God has already pronounced judgment. He knows. Um, and he hasn't done enough to stop it. But, but listen to this. This is so funny. Um, as he mentioned the Ark of God, Eli fell backward from his seat by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy... man was old and fat, and so he, he fell and he died. Here, here's the thing. There's a wordplay that's happening in Scripture right now because uh, Eli's job as the, as the priest was to make God heavy and to make God, the word glory means heaviness, to make God weighty, to make God be known. Um, but instead, he had been eating off of what the sons had been stealing from the sacrifices. And so he was fat because he had been eating the fat, and his fat kills him. It's crazy. Um so eat carrots. All right. Um, so here's what you see, eat carrots. Here's what you see in Eli. Um, Eli saw that the ark, he, he, he trembled before the ark. He was sad that the ark had been taken. But for Eli, it was too late. Eli saw the ark and it was too late. So Eli had been, had been given a chance to repent. He had been given a chance to stop his sons from seducing and abusing these women. And here's the thing. You might, have things in your, you might see things in the world and you think God is invisible to the injustice, but God sees it and there'll be a day where it's punished. And we see in scripture that for Eli, it was too late where he could have had chances to turn. And sometimes we think, I'm just gonna ask for forgiveness when I'm older or I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna figure this out when I'm older. Um, in scripture, over and over and over again, Jesus says, repent. Repent for the kingdom is at hand because there will be a day when it's too late to turn back to God. There will be a day when it's too late where either it's just, it's totally the end. It's the end of your life or Jesus has come back and it's too late or it might be too late in the sense that your conscience and your, your patterns have been so entrenched. I heard a quote that, um, that, that sometimes our sin, it's like just digging a trench for ourselves. And at the end of the day, a trench is like a grave with the ends kicked out. So we're digging our own graves. And there's a day where we won't be able to wake up and, and get out of it because we've been so consumed by our sin and we haven't turned to God. And so for Eli, it's too late. Um, we're going to meet one more character. You guys feeling it? One more character? Okay, you're doing great. Um, so the Philistines, they capture the ark and they take the ark back. Um, we're gonna go to chapter five when the philistines captured the ark they brought it from ebenezer to ashad uh, ashdod then the philistines took the ark of god and brought it into the house of dagon or dagon um we're gonna show you a picture of dagon crazy fish god right <laughs> it's awesome um, they, they worshipped this. Um, so they bring it. They basically they bring the ark into uh, into the temple of Dagon, and they they put it right next to him. And basically they're saying like, we won this, right? We won this trophy. We won it, and it proves that Dagon is victor, the fish god of glory. Um, and so basically what happens um, is they, they go to sleep and they wake up in the morning and they come into the temple. And what do they see? Dagon has fallen face down before the ark, and everyone's like, oh shoot, that's so heavy, that's huge, how in the world, and then they, 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 they prop it back up, they get all the men to, to, to prop it back up, and they go to sleep again, and the next morning, they wake up, and what's happened again? Face down, this time its arms have broken off, um, and here's what I want you to see. And then it, it, it's crazy. Crazy stuff starts to happen where there are these, like, plagues that start coming on the people. They get hemorrhoids. If you don't know what that is, uh, people think they get hemorrhoids and tumors and craziness. And we'll talk about it later. Um, you can ask your counselor. Um, here's what I want you to see. Sometimes we are fighting, we are fighting battles, and we—I just want you to see this here. This is one of the things we see, that God didn't need the Israelites— he, he didn't need them to fight for him. He was going to, like, the Israelites wouldn't have been able to get into the Philistines' encampment and, and, and recapture the ark. But God in himself can have victory without your help. God in himself can have victory. And so God defeats this, this false god of Dagon. God defeats the Philistines. They end up sending the ark back. They send it to a bunch of places. They're basically playing hot potato with the ark. Like, and everyone's getting diseases everywhere. And finally, they send it back. Um, and, and I want you to see that, that, that God is so powerful, that he is so powerful in that. Um, and so the question here is kind of like, who do we model in this story? We don't model Israel. We don't model the Philistines. We don't model Eli. But Dagon, Dagon, he saw the ark and he worshiped. He's the one who does it right. And I think this is super interesting because what is Dagon made out of? Stone. Who created stone? God created stone. So obviously, in one sense, it's, yeah, okay, the the false God is bowing down before the true God, but it's also that creation itself is bowing down before the creator. Jesus says um, that it's on Palm Sunday where Jesus says, if we keep quiet, the stones themselves will cry out. And I think that's awesome. I think it's just this stone who's saying, you are the creator. You're the one. Um, so Dagon has humility um, and, and, and worships. Um, where Israel wasn't humble, they didn't seek God. The Philistines weren't humble, they didn't seek God. I love that God doesn't care that they're Israel. He's still going to let them lose. Sometimes we think because like we're super Christians or like, our parents are Christians or, or whatever, we go to church a lot, That like, that, that makes us better off than somebody else. Um, the people that God is after are people who are repentant and humble before him. Um, so that is the war story of the Ark of the Covenant. What time are we at right now? I do have my phone. 1148, cool. So um, what I wanted to give you a chance to just do is to think about um, what battle are you currently in? Again, when we're in the midst of battle, sometimes we make the worst decisions. We see God as a magic trophy that, okay, God, if we just, you know, it's a lamp that if we rub it, then you can, well, you, whatever you, like, you'll do whatever I want. Um, we see God as, as just this, this magic thing that's going to fix all of our problems. When really sometimes, God, what God was really saying is, don't bring me into your battle until you brought me into your heart. And so for some of us here, um, what battle are you in and how can you invite God into that battle? Um, So it could be craziness going on in your family. It could be stuff at school. It could be stress, anxiety in your life. Um, And how can you say, God, I want to humble myself before you. I want to say, you are in charge. You're in control. And so maybe you want to just write out what that is and write a prayer. Um, And we'll spend um, a couple minutes doing that. We're going to sing together and then be able to to pray together. So if you want to write that down there, you can. We'll give you some time to reflect.